0: John chapter number 21. Let's start there. John chapter number 21. Uh, Most of you know and you remember uh, we are in a study of the New Testament. We're going to go through the New Testament. I don't know how long it's going to take. If it takes till Jesus comes, we'll let somebody else finish it. Say amen. Uh, But we're just going to study little by little and go through it. I I want you to have a good, good, solid foundation and and a really good understanding of the New Testament. So we're going to start last week. We had an intro. If you missed last week, go back and watch that. It will help you. All right. So go back and watch that. But today uh, we're going to start in the Gospels. Uh, That's a good place to start in the New Testament, because that's the first thing you have in the New Testament. Amen. So so let's jump right here in in John chapter number twenty one. You say, why are we in Matthew? You'll figure it out in a minute. All right. John twenty one, and then we're going to go back to twenty, verse thirty. Okay? So John twenty-one, twenty-five. John twenty-one, twenty-five. When you get there, say amen. amen. It says, And there are also many other things which Jesus did, the which, if they should be written, everyone, I suppose that even the world itself could not contain the books that should be written. Amen. Now, what is he saying? Before you flip over, what is he saying? There was a ton of stuff Jesus did that's not written down. Does everybody get that? There's a ton of stuff Jesus did that is not written down. Don't have this false idea that everything Jesus did was written down. And you know everything he did because you don't. John is saying if if we was to try to write it down, this world cannot contain the books of all the stuff he did. Okay, now go back, go back. John 20 verse 30, John 20 verse 30. So if there, if there was a ton of stuff Jesus did while he was here on this earth and not all of it's written down, here's the question. Everybody with me? Here's the question. Why are these written down? How many of y'all know God does everything on purpose? Okay, so if he'd done a ton of stuff, but they're not all written down. But these are written down. Why are these written down? Look in in John 20, verse 30. When you're there, say amen. Amen. Many other signs. That word sign means miracles. Okay, it's the miracles that he did. Many other signs truly did Jesus in the presence of his disciples, which are not written written in this book. But these are written that ye might believe that Jesus is the the son of God. And that believing you might have life through his name and all God's people said. Amen. Now, what have we clarified before we pray? What do we clarified? There was a bunch of stuff Jesus did, right? There was a bunch of stuff, many more things, many more, m- many more everything. Miracles, probably lessons, probably uh, sermons, probably messages, but they're not all written down. But these are written down for a purpose. And that's what I need you to get today as we, as we begin, as we have an intro to the, to the gospels today, I want you to understand there's a purpose behind every gospel. There's a purpose behind every gospel. And, and, and what is that purpose? So you will know Jesus bottom line to make it as simple as possible so that you will know Jesus. It is all about Jesus. Jesus. We have hope because of Jesus. We have salvation because of Jesus. We're going to heaven because of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Somebody say amen. amen. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the truth of the scriptures. I pray, God, as we study today, as we grow today, I pray that you'll just edify your church. And Lord, exalt the Savior. Lord, I pray as we worship you. Lord, I've had a great time in the house of God already, but I'm expecting more. I pray that your perfect will be done. Don't let me say anything I shouldn't. Lord, don't let me forget anything I should. And Lord, we'll thank you for it. In Jesus name and all God's people say it. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. <clears throat> if you will, if you will look in your outline, <clears throat> I want, I want to just give you a brief, just a brief word about the difference in the old Testament. In the New Testament, that will help supplement our study today. The Old Testament theme. We look in Genesis 5, 1. It says, this is the book of the generations of Adam. Say that with me. This is the book of the generations of Adam. All right. Now skip down to Matthew 1, 1. The book. Now, Matthew is the first book of the New Testament. All right. Watch what the first words are. The book of the generation of Jesus Christ. Y'all see that? So, so here we have the old Testament is the book of Adam. The new Testament is the book of Jesus. Okay. Now, according, according to the, the epistles of Paul, he says that Jesus is the last Adam. Jesus is the last Adam or the second Adam. If you will, the first Adam messed everything up and the second Adam straightened everything out. Are y'all with me? Now, watch as we go, watch as we go. The Old Testament, this is under the theme. The Old Testament gives the history of the Adam family, not the Adams family. Don't want there to be no mistype right there. Everybody understand that? Adam and Eve, not Morticia, all right. Is everybody with me? Say amen. All right, the Adam family, Adam family. It is a sad history indeed. God created man in his own image, but man sin. sinned, thus defiling and deforming that image. Then man brought forth children in his own likeness after his image. That's Genesis 5, 3. These children prove themselves to be sinners like their parents. No matter where you read in the Old Testament, you meet, say it with me, sin, sin and sinners. No matter. Listen, the Old Testament is a testament and is a book of disobedience. It's a book of rebellion. It's a book of sin. It's a book of death. Sin brings death. The wages of sin is. And so that's what we see all throughout the old Testament. The wages of sin is Death. death. All right. But the new Testament theme, the new Testament theme, it's the book of the generation of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Jesus is the last Adam And he came to save, he came to earth to save the generations of Adam, the first Adam. All right. Through no choice of our own, we were born into the generations of Adam and this made us sinners. sinners. But by choice of faith, we can be born into the generation of Jesus Christ and become the children of God. And all God's people say it. The Old Testament emphasis, the Old Testament emphasis is on death. When you read the genealogies, when you read the genealogies in Genesis five, you hear this phrase repeated over and over and over. And he died and he died and he died. Everyone you see, they were born, but they and the emphasis is on their death. The emphasis on their death. But in the New Testament when you read the genealogy when you read it you see it's a different emphasis it emphasizes birth and not death the message of the New Testament i like Romans 6:23 the first half of Romans 6:23 is the first half of the bible The wages of sin is death. Amen. And he died and he died and he died. Sin has brought death. But the second book, the second emphasis, the second theme, the New Testament, the emphasis is on and he begot and he begot and he begot or he was born. He was born. He was born. Listen, the Old Testament is all about sin and death. The New Testament is about being born again. The emphasis on life. Listen. Listen, the first half, the Old Testament, it is about the wages of sin is death. But the New Testament, the second book, the second Adam, is but the gift of God, is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Say amen. Listen, the Old Testament brings sadness. The old Testament brings destruction. The old Testament, listen, it brings a curse, but the new Testament is the arrival of the son of God. It is the arrival of the Messiah. It is the arrival of the savior. It is the arrival of the promised one who would come to redeem this world, to take away our sin. Somebody say amen. Amen. So if we're going to study the new Testament, We got to start with the Gospels. The Gospels is the very first thing we come to. The New Testament begins with the Gospels. The Gospel is a simple word. It means. Oh, come on, everybody. You got outlines in front of you. The Gospel, it means. Good news. Good news. How many of y'all know this world needs some good news? If they need some good news, what do they need? They need the gospel. Yes, yes, yes. Y'all wake up in a little bit. Y'all need to start hitting that coffee area. That's what it's for. (laughs) Hey, if we need to, we'll start selling Red Bull in there if it's going to help you. Amen. (laughs) Tighten up. Listen, let me tell y'all something. And I'm going to just be straight up with you. If you're a guest today, forget I said this. plug plug your fingers in your ears. I'm talking to my people, the ones that belong to me, the shepherd. I'm the shepherd of the sheep, the under shepherd. I'm telling you what, I spent a lot of time in studying to bring this to you. It's time you come with an appetite. Now, ho, 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 ho. Now I got, I got some of my grandma in me. There's some Johnson in me. Now, my grandma, she would tell you, don't you, don't you, you couldn't go in there. Now, there's some grandmas that, now my mom's side, uh, she'd give you ice cream anytime you wanted. But my dad's side, she's old school. You better not come in that kitchen and get no Twinkie. Because it will ruin your... She done made up her mind. She spent all that time cooking. She spent all that time preparing. She put all that time. You better have an appetite when you come. Now, let me tell you, I'm sick and tired of spending all that time preparing and getting ready and studying and burning my brain up. And you come in here and sit like a knot on the log. Yes. All right. That's all. Come on. And all you first time timbers, we love you. We really do. And you won't get talked to like that till you've been here a while. <clears throat> now, I'm trying to be a little funny, but you get the point. Yeah. Amen. You expect me to study and you expect me to be ready for you. I'm ready for you. I expect you to be ready for me. Yeah. Yeah. So come in here ready to study. Yeah. All right. The Bible theologian Bickersteth said this, the great end of the gospels is to show us Jesus Christ. Say that with me. To show us Jesus the salvation he has procured for us, the example that he left us. He is God and man, the same yesterday, today, and forever. Now, none, now listen, none of the four gospels is a biography. That's where we get messed up. That's where a lot of people get messed up and they're looking and say, well, this is biography. This is saying this and this is saying this over here. None of the four gospels is a biography of the Lord Jesus Christ. You got to understand that. And you'll see where I'm talking about here in just a moment. In fact, the apostle John doubted that a complete biography of Jesus could ever be written. You remember what we read? The books of this world cannot contain everything. So it's not a biography. There are many details about the earthly life of Jesus that are not given in any of the Gospels. All right. Now, here's the thing. Each of the four Gospels has its own what? Emphasis. Emphasis. They are written by different people, different types of people to different audiences. Now, I want everybody to get this. And and, and I want you to really, 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 really get this. Because as we study, you're going to learn things and and you're going to think, I've never heard that before. There's a reason. There's a reason. There are so many biblically illiterate people in this world. And sadly, they say there's too many of them in the pulpit. So you're going to learn stuff you've never learned before. And you're going to see stuff you've never seen before. But when you see it, you won't be able to unsee it. The Bible's going to click like never before. And you're going to be amazed. Now, here's what I want you. Everybody say this with me. All of the Bible, All of the Bible. is for me but it's not not to me. me. All of the Bible I can take and learn something from it. All of the Bible is for my edification. All scripture, right? All scripture is given by inspiration of God and it's profitable. It's profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness that the man of God may be perfect and thoroughly furnished unto all good works. Right? I can get something from all the Bible. But where we make mistakes is to think that all the Bible is to me. In other words, in other words, some of the Bible is you reading someone else's letter. In other words, God speaking to a certain group of people, but you are getting to listen in on it. And there are too many times that people try to spiritualize Things that God said to the nation of Israel and promised to the nation of Israel and try to compare that to the church. And they make a grave mistake yeah. because the nation of Israel and the church are totally separate entities. Yes. Amen. And you cannot mix the two. Are you all with me? Say amen. amen. As we go through, if you're confused about that, it'll make sense a little later along in our studies. But just keep in mind, keep in mind, all the Bible is for me. But all the Bible is not to me. For example, the book of Matthew is written by a Jewish tax collector to the Jewish people. It is specifically to the Jewish people. It is directed to them. And I'll I'll explain all that in a minute. And so sometimes if we try to take application for the church from some of the things that are said in Matthew, it's going to cause confusion. Because Matthew was not writing to the church. He was writing to the Jewish people and telling them their king has arrived. Are y'all with me now? Here's, here's where I want to go with this. The four gospels are different. No one gospel is able to tell the whole story as God wants us to see it. But when we put these four gospel accounts together, we have a composite picture of the person and the work of our Lord. How many of you have ever been to a museum, or maybe you've seen this on TV? You've seen a faraway look at a a portrait, a painting, a picture, and it shows one face. How many of y'all seen that? But the closer you get to it, you find that it is a picture of one face, but it's made up of thousands of other pictures. How many of y'all know what I'm talking about? It's a composite. In other words, they put all these other pictures together to form uh, as individuals one big picture. Well, that's what the Gospels are. They're individual glimpses. They're individual pictures. They're individual descriptions of Jesus Christ. And when you put them all together, you see one face and that is the Lord Jesus Christ. You cannot put it all together. He cannot be just shown as one. A God that big, a God that mighty, a God that infinite. How are you going to describe him in just one way? It's a composite. It's a composite. Now, look, I want to I want to give you you say, uh, let me let me just say this. Let me just say this. Matthew is about the king. Mark is about the servant. Jesus, the servant, the suffering servant. Luke is about the the man the humanity of Jesus. All right. The man. All right. Then John is about Jesus, the son of God, his deity. Luke reveals his humanity. John reveals his deity. Are y'all with me? Now I'm I'm, I'm going ahead and then I'm going to come back. Now you say, where do you get that stuff? Where do you get that stuff? From the content of the letters. But then also, I want to go back to the Old Testament and show you where God reveals this to us. OK, we reveal in the Old Testament how Matthew is about the king, how Mark is about the servant, how Luke is about the man, the humanity of Christ and how John is about the son of God, his deity. He is God and all God's people say it. Amen. Now, watch. Go back to Isaiah. Isaiah eleven two. 2 right there in your notes. Isaiah 11, verse one. And this is this is an Old Testament. This is the Old Testament prophet Isaiah prophesying about the coming king. All right. Now, now let me let me say this. And I don't want to get too much into this because we're going to jump ahead. I mean, head first in the book of Matthew next week, talking about the king and his kingdom. But God promised David that there would always be somebody from his lineage, from his family to sit on the throne. And he uses the word for. Forever. Now, how many of y'all know there's nobody on the throne in Jerusalem right now? There's coming one. And he said, he said, you will have somebody. Now we know by our study and by our time in church, we know that's the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the son of David. It says it right there in Matthew. Why would Matthew start his book that way? Because he's showing the Jewish people, Jesus is the king. All right. Now, now, so this is an Old Testament prophecy concerning what is to come. Now, watch what it says Isaiah 11 1. <clears throat> and there shall come forth a rod out of the stem of Jesse. Now, what is the picture there? A cut off tree. A cut off tree. Now, now we know, we know technically that the kingship, the kingdom has been cut off. There's no throne, there's no son of David on the throne right now. But watch what's going to happen. It says, there shall come forth the rod out of the stem of Jesse, a branch shall grow out of his roots and the spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him. The spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might and the spirit of knowledge in the fear of the Lord. Now, we know that's a messianic, a messianic promise of the coming king. That is King Jesus. Say it with me. That is. King Jesus. Now, watch. How do we know that? Acts 2 29. Men and brethren, this is Peter's preaching on the day of Pentecost. Men and brethren, let me freely speak unto you of the patriarch David, that he is both dead and buried, and his sceptre is with us unto this day. Therefore, being a prophet, and knowing that God had sworn with an oath to him that of the fruit of his loins, according to the flesh, watch he would raise up Christ to sit where on his where the king sit. So that makes Jesus the somebody say it, man. Now watch. This is where I'm going with this. This is where I'm going with this. Go back to Isaiah 11, 1. There shall come forth a rod out of the stem of Jesse and a branch. branch. Say that with me. And a branch. branch. Now let's look at the different places in the Old Testament that describe a branch. Okay. Now, Matthew is about the king. Everybody with me. Matthew is the king and his kingdom. Say that with me. Matthew is the All right, now watch this, watch this. Now let's look at all the times that he uses the word branch as a messianic prophecy of what's to come. Watch how he just described. Jeremiah 23, five. Behold, the days come, saith the Lord, that I will raise unto David a righteous, what? And what's he gonna be? And a King." king. There's Matthew. There's Matthew. Now let's look in Mark. Mark is about the suffering. Come on, everybody. Mark is about the suffering Servant. Now watch, Zechariah three eight. Hear now, O Joshua, the high priest. Thou and my fellows that sit up before thee, for they are men wondered at. For behold, I will bring forth my what? Servant. My servant, the branch. branch. There's Mark. There's Mark. Every time you see the word branch, it's a messianic prophecy of the coming Messiah. And in, in, we see in Zechariah 23, it describes the branch as the king. In Zechariah 3, 8, it describes the branch as a servant. You see where this is going? Everybody with me? Now, Luke, Luke is about the son of man or humanity. Zechariah 6, 12, concerning the branch. And speak unto him, saying, Thus speaketh the Lord of hosts, saying, Behold the man. Behold the Whose name is the. Branch. Oh, there's Luke. Come on. Do y'all see this now? Uh-huh. All right. We got another one. Isaiah four, two. Now, John is about the son of. That's his deity. All right. Isaiah four, two. Isaiah four, two. In that day shall the. Branch. Of the who. Lord. There's John. He is God. Listen, the branch is the king. The branch is the servant. The branch is the man. The branch is God, the Lord. You have Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the four different portraits, the four different composites of the Lord Jesus Christ describing the one picture, the Lord. Say amen. 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 How many, how many revelation studiers do I have in here? Revelation studiers, you're here on Wednesday night, revelation studiers, How many y'all remember the four beasts around the throne? The four beasts around the throne. Now, this is just for the Revelation people, because if you're not in Revelation, you're really not going to understand this, so I don't want to confuse you. But if you're in Revelation, you'll get this. Right, there's four beasts crying around the throne. Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, which was and is and is to come. Guess what they look like? One looks like a lion. One looks like an ox. The lion is the king. The ox is the servant, the one who serves. Then we had the face of a man. That is man. Then we had the flying eagle. That is God, deity. He's described as coming as an eagle. Preacher, what are you saying? All through the Bible, we find one picture, the Lord Jesus Christ. Man, the gospels, they tell us all about Jesus. They explain everything about Jesus. It's all about Jesus. And matter of fact, if we want to be technical, all the Old Testament points to Jesus. Are y'all with me? Points to Jesus. And in the Gospels, he's arrived. And all God's people said. Let's go to Matthew. And by the way, last week I gave you a table of contents for the New Testament. This week is an introduction or a table of contents for the Gospels. Okay, that's all this is today. We're just intro in the gospels today. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. So let's do that. Let's do that. Let's describe them. We have Matthew, number one, Matthew, the king in his kingdom. He's the lion. We see his author is a Jewish tax collector. Matthew was a Jewish tax collector. What better, what better way to describe the king than someone that's most familiar with politics. Jesus, now, now let, me, let me back up, let me back up, let me back up. Now when I use the word author, I'm gonna describe the person, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. But you need to understand, there was a higher authority in authorship. Let me read to you, let me read to you. Second Timothy 3.16 all scripture is given by inspiration of God. Now, let me say that again. All scripture is given by inspiration of God. Now, say that with me. All scripture is given by inspiration of God. Now, what does that mean? Second or second Peter one for the prophecy came not in old time by the will of man, but holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. Now, now let's make this simple. What does that mean? I know, I know Matthew's hand held the pen, but God's Holy Spirit held the hand. He was inspired. He was moved by the Holy Ghost. In other words, he wrote what God told him to write. Inspiration does not mean, whoo, I've got a great idea. No, this means moved. God moved him every word. So with that being said, God chose different styles of people to describe in a greater way Christ. So you could see him in a greater form. Are y'all with me? Say amen. But when I say author, Matthew, understand he was just moved by God. Does everybody understand that? That's important for you to get. Jesus did it or God did this on purpose. All right. Now, now watch Matthew. The author is a, is a tax collector. He was there when Jesus came up to his table. Remember, he said, follow me. And Matthew left everything to follow him. Okay. Now he's familiar with politics. He's familiar with Jewish customs. He was probably more familiar with the Old Testament scriptures than any of the disciples, any of them. And that's why you will see very, I mean, a ton of Old Testament references in the book of Matthew. Now, here's what you won't find. You won't find descriptions of them. You won't find explanations of customs and you won't find definitions of Jewish words or culture or customs there. Why? They're already Jews. They already know them. He doesn't have to explain them. But, see, this is why I'm saying this is to different people. Mark, on the other hand, is not writing to Jews. So he has to describe some of his his, his writings to so that the Gentile person will understand a Jewish culture. Is this clicking? Does this make sense? That's why you need to know this stuff. All right, now watch. We see the author of Matthew. He's a Jewish tax collector. His target audience, he's writing specifically to the Jews. He's writing specifically to the Jews. There's some unique features in Matthew that you won't find in none of the other gospels. One is Sermon on the Mount. Why? He's describing what the kingdom would look like. And that is Jesus' rule here on earth. You won't find that in the other gospels. Something else unique to the, to the, to the gospel of Matthew is Jesus as a child. You won't find that in the other gospels. All right. And and like I said, I don't want to go too much into Matthew because I I, I want to give this to you next week, but you'll find the very beginning of Matthew is the genealogy showing he's in the line of David. Why? Because you could not be king of Israel unless you were of the family of, does this make sense? Okay. Number two, we see Matthew is the king in his kingdom. Then we see Mark. He's describing Jesus and revealing Jesus as the suffering servant. All right. Who is he? Who is this author? He's a Jewish disciple of Peter. I should have put that word there first and I forgot. Just right beside a to the left author. Okay. He's a Jewish disciple of Peter. Peter. I believe he's a cousin of Barnabas too. Matter of fact, there was an argument over him in Acts, but that's a whole nother message. You can look at that later. I'm y'all glad you can mess it up in the beginning, but God can, God can use you in the end. Amen. Now, what is he describing? He's describing the servant. So what does he do? He does not include the genealogies. You'll see the genealogies of, 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 of Jesus on Joseph's side that goes back to David in Matthew. Then in Luke, you'll see the genealogy of Jesus on Mary's side that goes back to David. But in Mark, there's no genealogy. Why? Servants were not important enough to keep their genealogy. Are y'all with me? They, they were not important enough. They didn't keep them. There was no need to give a genealogy to a servant. Now, what do we find significant? Let, 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 me, let, me, let me stay with me. I'm going to run a rabbit. I'm going to run a rabbit. There's so much to hear. There's so much. We have so little time. Say Amen. He's a Jewish disciple of Peter, but then the target audience is the Romans. He's targeting the Roman people, the Roman audience. So he's basically Matthew speaking to Jews. And and so who is Mark speaking to Gentiles? Now, what, 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 what is significant about that? The Romans will not understand all the Jewish culture. So as you read Mark's writings, you'll find that he has to explain certain things. He has to explain certain customs and he has to explain certain behavior because he's writing to people that are not going to be familiar with all of those things. Unlike Matthew, Matthew didn't have to because he knew they would already know. Does this make sense? Now watch as the servant, as describing Jesus as the servant. What did he write? He wrote the words of Jesus. When Jesus said the son of man came not to be ministered to, but to minister, to be a servant, to be a servant. Are y'all with me? So what did he include more about the works than his words? He included the miracles and all the times that Jesus served, how that there was times when he would serve all day and all evening. They came to, I mean, miracle after miracle, after miracle, what was he doing? He was wanting you to see he was a servant. He came to serve. That's Mark. That's Mark. Now, now number three, number three, we find Dr. Luke. This is the only Gentile writer In the scriptures, Dr. Luke, who is he? Who is the author of the book of Luke? A Gentile physician. He was a traveling companion to Paul in the book of Acts. He was a traveling companion to Paul in the book of Acts. Now, what is he writing about? He's describing the Lord Jesus Christ's humanity. He's describing the Lord Jesus Christ's Humanity. You'll see his birth. You'll see his genealogy on his mama's side. Listen, do you realize in the book of Luke is the only place you'll find about Jesus sweating great drops of blood? I mean, that is a true medical condition. It's, it's kind of a coincidence that the doctor had to write about it. Are y'all getting this stuff? Isn't this great? Dr. Luke wrote, about Jesus sweating great drops of blood. Why? That is something a doctor would pick up on. Right. Come on. So he's writing about, and, and who better, who better to write about humanity than a doctor? Yeah. Right. Isn't the Lord great? Amen. Listen, he's a Gentile physician and we see his humanity. You, 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 anyway, anyway, I, I, I'll get back to that. All right. His target audience is the Greeks. <clears throat> All right. Mark is targeting the Romans. Matthew is targeting the Jews. Luke is targeting the Greek people. The Greek speaking Gentiles. There is some unique features in Luke that you won't find in the others. The rich man and Lazarus. What is that? The good guy wins in the end. That shows humanity to its finest. You may be having a bad time. You may be a beggar on this earth. You may have nothing, but one day you're going to have everything. The thief salvation on the cross, the thief salvation on the cross. And also you'll find unique to the book of Luke is the prodigal son, the prodigal son. What, what a story of humanity, the rebellion of humanity, the failure of humanity, the restoration of humanity. What a great story. All in the book of Luke. Why? Because he is God is working through the hands of Luke to reveal to you the humanity of his son. Preacher, I thought he's God. He is. But he's all man. He's all man. Yes, 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 yes. Number four. Number four. We see John is writing to reveal Jesus as the son of God, as the son of God. And, and, And let me let me go back. Let me go back. It says in John twenty-one nine, and there are also many things that Jesus did, the which if the, the they should be written every one, I suppose that even the world itself could not contain the books that are written. But he says in John twenty thirty, and many other signs that truly do in the presence of his disciples that are not written in this book, but these are written that ye might believe what that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. Are y'all with me? Amen. now. Look here. The author, the author is a Jewish fisherman. He's a Jewish fisherman. You see, you don't have to have all smart people to do something good. Not saying the fishermen are not smart, (laughs) but you got to understand a fisherman is way on the opposite extreme of a tax collecting politician and a doctor. I I might not have said, should have said that right there. All right. Let me just say this. He's a Messiah for all people. I'm I'm a fisherman, guys. I'm a fish. You should know by the way I talk. Amen. Anyway, the author is a Jewish fisherman. The target audience is the world. It is a general audience. It's an audience to the world, to everyone. A target audience is to the world. You say, what, why do you say that he is showing himself to be God? <clears throat> Only in John do you find the I am statements. I am. Where do we first find I am? The Bible says that in, in, uh, uh, in the old Testament, Moses came to the burning bush. How many of y'all remember that? The burning bush and the, and the bush was burning, but it never burned up. He said, I need to check this out. So he goes over to it and we know that God is in the burning bush. Say Amen. And so God speaks to him, get your shoes off for your own. And, and, and as he's talking to Moses, he said, what's your name? And he said, I am that I am. Not I was that I was or I'm going to be that I'm going to be. I am that I am. And then in the Gospels, especially in John, only in John, you find Jesus saying, I am the bread of life. I am the living water. I am the resurrection and the life. He's not just saying he's somebody that will give you substance for your hunger or give you uh, water for your thirst or give you life for your death. He's saying, I am God that provides everything that you need. I am the one speaking in the burning bush. I am God. Amen. Yeah. Only in John. You know why? Because that's what John was trying to show you. Yeah. Right. He's speaking to the world that Jesus is the son of God. Amen. And all God's people see it. Amen. Now I, I got three minutes. <clears throat> so so uh, yeah I know. Wow. What's up with this time? It's crazy ain't it? Let me give you something else. I don't want to confuse you. And don't, 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 do that. I see you putting it up already. Look at me. <laughs> Look at me. I'm not finished. The king. The servant. The man. The Lord. Matthew. He's the king. Mark. He's the servant. Luke. He's the man. John. John. He's the Lord. He's God. Now watch, watch. This morning I was reading. and I happened to think about Philippians chapter number two. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, what's he saying? He was God as John. Who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant as Mark. Are y'all with me? Amen. Took upon him the form of servant was made in the likeness of. Amen. There's Luke. Yeah. Y'all with me? Took upon him the likeness of man and being found in fashion as man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even the death of the cross. And for this, God hath highly exalted him and given him a name, which is above every name. That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow and things of heaven and things on earth and things under the earth. And that every tongue shall confess that he is Lord. There's Matthew. He's the king. Yes. Now, just put that somewhere. I don't want to confuse you, but it's there. There, there are so many other things that I could share with you, but for the sake of confusion, I won't. That just shows the composite pictures of the Lord Jesus Christ through the gospels. He is the king. He was the suffering servant who came to serve. He got down and washed the disciples feet. He was man. Yes, he was all God, but yes, he was all man. He felt everything we felt. He got hungry just like we got hungry. He got thirsty just like we get thirsty. He got tired just like we get tired. He he was weary at the well. Are you with me? He was all man. He was all man. Right. But he was all God. Yeah. He was man enough to fill our infirmities. But he was God enough to save us from them. Amen. Yeah. Somebody say amen. amen. That's enough. Let's stand. Let's stand. I encourage you. I encourage you this week. I had some people say, give us homework. Okay. You asked for it. How many did the outlines help? Did the outlines help? Did I miss any of the lines? Because I have a tendency to do that. All right, here's what I need you to do. We're going to jump into some things you have probably never heard before. As we jump into Matthew, Uh, it is going to be probably the most exciting study you've ever studied. But it's going to be the challenging, probably the most challenging. So Here's what I need you to do. I got a really smart buddy. Here's the thing. If you're not smart, know some smart people. I got a real smart buddy that's helping me with this. And here's what I need you to do. Because I had to do this. Have you ever heard of clearing your mind? I I need you to forget everything that you've ever heard or been told about Matthew. And I want you to come into next week as if you've never read it before. And as you have not because the hardest thing to do with people is not telling the truth. It's fixing the lies they believe. And so here's your homework. Go through Matthew this week and find the references to deal with the king or the references to deal with the kingdom, specifically the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of heaven, because that's the only place you're going to find the phrase kingdom of heaven is in Matthew. And there's a reason for that is because he's telling you about the king and his kingdom, not a spiritual kingdom, not a spiritual kingdom, not the kingdom inside of our hearts where Jesus rules. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about a show sure enough kingdom with lands and throne. The capital is Jerusalem. That's what I'm talking about. So read it, go through Matthew. And we're going to jump into Matthew head first on the deep end. So get your flippers on. You should be, you should be familiar with them this week. And if you need some, we're going to have floaties available in the, in the, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Guys, we're never going to, we're never going to grow beyond where we are till we go deeper than we've ever been. And that's what we're going to do. And all God's people say it.